I created this winter series to bring you real advice about travel from around the world. As we chat with guests over a delicious hot cup of chocolate. So, before you do anything else, grab yourself a cup of your favorite hot chocolate, coffee, or tea. You have it? Okay, let's go. everyone and welcome to another episode of Hot Chocolate with Locos. I'm your host Jennifer Poe and today we have a very special guest that's very dear to my heart. Um, we are uh, catch- getting a hot cup of chocolate in London um, <laughs> with Psychic Zaya Mo and talking all things metaphysics and spirituality and travel. Um, hey Zaya, thank you for having a hot cup of chocolate with us. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> it's taken a long time, right? But we're here now. Yeah, yeah, I forgive you. It's fine, it's fine. Um, so you're a really special guest because you've known me since I was an itty bitty child. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I'm so I w- proud of you. So proud of you. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um so I want you to just give us an intro, tell my audience who Zaya Mo is. Okay. Okay, sure. Well, it's just Zaya. Zaya the Mo came. <laughs> I changed my name on Facebook. Uh, I'm also known as Nasha Moses. And, um, you know, Facebook won't let you just have one name. So I ended up just putting Mo, short for Moses. But, um, yeah, who am I? Uh, I'm a psychic medium mm-hmm. and um, a digital nomad. And instead of, I started out as a writer doing fashion writing and um, on air stuff. Uh, but moved from New York City to Asia almost three years ago and have lived in uh, different parts of Asia. Um, at one point, I was just writing fashion stuff. And then for the past uh, year and a half, I've been working as a full-time psychic medium. <clears throat> um, yeah, so <clears throat> that's kind of my story. I just got tired of New York City. I got tired of being in fashion. I just I just was over it and I just wanted to leave. But what I didn't realize at the time is I was also going through kind of my own spiritual development, spiritual awakening, which mm-hmm. kind of tends to shift you away mm-hmm. from things that you once enjoyed or whatever. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I just made the move to London a month ago. I decided at 12 hours <laughs> to move to London. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity. So I'm here now. So it's interesting. Um, of course, I'm a very hot, tropical, sunny client, climate, very cold and um, sort of wet and gray. So interesting um, I, I, I was enjoying the difference at first but now a month in I'm like hmm, hmm. <laughs> oh wow interesting <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. I can't believe it's been three years yeah I mean to me it's been three years I left September 11th of 2014 it wasn't anything significant for me just the best date time I could get on a flight um, but I started traveling and I left New York officially January 2014 and I went traveling for Asia in five months and then I moved to Philly when I got back that May or June and then just kind of between all like the Black Lives Matter and the protests and all that was happening really hot at Ferguson I was like, I'm over it. And I didn't realize I was really going through a travel Jones. It was the first time I had traveled where I really missed where I was. Normally when I travel, I want to come back. I'm good with coming back. And I was just like, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm, I want to leave. And I worked remotely and I was like, I can just be really remote. And so I just took the opportunity to leave, but I haven't been back since I left. It's been a long time. 
I get that. I get that. I'm like at a cross between like not wanting to, you know, fight or flight. I'm between fight and flight. Like, I'm just so over every fucking thing that's happening right now in this country. Like, I even stopped. Like, the only thing news outlet I will look at is News and Guts because I really trust that page. But other than that, I'm just like, I'm so fucking over it. I don't give a shit. What is happening with this fucking administration? Just fucking go away already. And sorry for the curses. I'm just over, um, a little over life right now. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, well, it's been hard times. I mean, it's, it's difficult. We do have to be mindful of, of what we consume. That's the number. That's the only way to really protect yourself right now is just being mindful of, of, of being, of over consuming. I mean, I think you're in a great position because you can kind of maybe leave for a few months at a time and then come back. Right. You know, and, that's and, what I would like okay. to do. Because it's not necessarily the, I think on one hand it's easier to live abroad, but it's definitely not easy, especially being a digital nomad. Right. The changes, the constant changes can be difficult. So right. there's pros and cons. Right. Um, so uh, what parts did you just tell us really quickly? What parts of Asia, exactly what parts of Asia you were living in? Sure. Absolutely. Hanoi, Vietnam was the first place I lived. I loved it. I decided on a whim <laughs> again <laughs> around this, around, um, <clears throat> that I wanted to live there. And I lived by an area called... Um, the old quarter, which is where everyone goes, Hanoi is in north, uh, the capital of Vietnam. Mm. It's in the north, and it was um, colonized by the French way back. But it's just a, it's a beautiful energy there. It's surrounded by lakes in the city center and outside the city. Um, I lived there about four, four and a half months, and then um, the internet was bad, the pollution was bad, and I was like, I'm down here. And then I jumped to Bangkok, Thailand, which I was very familiar with Thailand and Bangkok that had spent the previous year there for about like two months when I was traveling. Um, and then basically lived in Bangkok from like, um, and I was supposed to move to Prague, but I lost my contract. My contract, basically they, they shut the website down. So this is around March of 2015. So within three months of me moving to Bangkok or four months of me moving to Bangkok, my contract went defunct. So I said, okay, I'm not going to move to, to Europe. So I stayed in Bangkok all the way until until February of 2016, then I moved to South Korea to teach. And I was doing readings, but I wasn't doing them full-time, and I really wasn't stepping out on faith. Right. And I thought, okay, I need, I need a real job so I can you know, promote my business properly. That lasted four and a half months. That was awful. I lived in a, um, a place called Koje City, um, which is in the very southern tip of South Korea. I was like 45 minutes outside of Busan, which is their second largest city. And Korea for me just was a miserable time. I'll be honest. I lived in a town which was basically a pass through. Mm-hmm. I had a very stressful job teaching four-year-olds. Um, and it was a job that I was ill-equipped to handle. I did my best, but I was really not set up in a good position. So I left that within four and a half months and then moved back to Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Um, during the time that I lived in Bangkok, Bangkok had been bombed like one or two times. Damn, I didn't um, know that. A terrorist attack. Like right when I was there, when I got back, it had just, they had just bombed. Uh, wow. Within, which was two hours south. And I was like, okay, I don't want to live here. I lived through 9-11. And so then I moved to Bali because I was like, Bali's calling my spirits where all the spiritual people are. Right. Uh, I was uh, just about to ask about that. Right. Well, and so I moved to Bali, which was cool for a bit, but the internet was bad. And my whole life is based on the internet. Like all my clients are Skype. Right. Whatever. So I, I lo- and I noticed there because I'm an empath, there are a lot of people that go there in pain, spiritual pain, energetic, mm. energetic pain. Mm. And I just saw, I was just attracting these people. It was like, they, I was like catnip to them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I don't want to be here with all of that. So then I came back to Bangkok and I was in Bangkok from 
September of last year, late September of last year, through just January of 2017. But I knew when I got back, I wasn't going to last. You know, I just knew it was only going to be a short period of time. Right. And then I got the opportunity to move to London. Though I had a ticket to move to come back to New York for a little bit, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And so I, then I rerouted and, and came here. So that's, that was, that's been my Asia journey, which I've loved. Um, but I'm good on Asia for a while, I think. <laughs> Do you feel that Asia is more conducive to spirituality than the Western world? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can tell you that my abilities and my ability to go inner and do some healing work on myself and to just take a moment is so much better. Since I've been in London, I have felt a little bit afraid of people's actions. I've hmm. you know, definitely have dealt with racism indirectly. Um, it, yeah, I've he- I heard it's passive aggressive there. Yeah, it's just I got hit in the head by a train door, which you know is how that happened. I just, I just moving slow, you know. I oh, so much. Okay, and you could probably even tell by the way I talk. I mean, you've known me forever, so it's just it's it's the West is very difficult to to reach any level of spirituality, especially like big Western Westernized cities, unless you're maybe in Australia. Uh, which has, you know, a lot going on there spiritually, but yeah, it's, it's not, I think anyone who's an empath, anyone who's on a real spiritual journey with, and you don't have to be a psychic medium, but you're just ascending and you're in your growth. It's going to be very difficult to live in a place like New York. London might be a little bit better because they have colleges for people with our gifts and stuff. I was going to so ask they about that. It more, yeah. It's very big, but the energy here is still a little bit sad. Interesting. Um, I did hear that before. Uh, I did another podcast just before this one um, with someone from London. So I did hear that before. So if you had to compare the two, you kind of already did. But like, uh, how would you compare the city of London? to? Well, you kind of already answered that question. So we'll skip that one. It's you feel more afraid and it's more like a it's just well London I think is still a great city I just think that we're, right now with all of the race issues and political issues like I've been to London before and I granted I only stayed like a week and then the other time I stayed two days and when I came before I compared London very much to New York because that was my reference point and I was always oh, right. too it doesn't have a pulse and it's I, I you know after living in Bangkok for which is a major city but Bangkok it doesn't feel like a real city when you come from New York and you lived in London because there's so much art and culture here, just like New York. Bangkok, I mean, I remember um, Martha Cooper supposedly did an exhibit. It was literally just one simple small wall mm-hmm. with all of her artwork basically printed out on a, on a computer and pasted up on the wall. Mm. And it took us forever to get there. And I was like, I hate everything, you know, <laughs> and it was just constantly that letdown in Bangkok where you just, when it, you know, I'm, a, I'm an art person. I love seeing art, right. culture, theater and all that stuff. So I would say, like, if you want a real city, then you're going to have to find that. You know, London gives me that. Absolutely. And I'm enjoying that. Um, but if you just need a moment to slow down and to kind of breathe and get within yourself. Also, being in a bubble in a culture that's completely different from your own, where you don't speak or read the language, allowed me to do a lot of inner work. You right. Know, I was that makes sense. I was to do a lot of just going in because I didn't have anything really distracting me from, that, from, from outside. Um, however, I do think coming here versus going right back to New York was better because New York is even like 10 times more pressure and 10 times more stress. And, and a lot of and a lot of intense energy. I, it does get quiet. You can't you can't sleep. Um, so I think in terms of just like just kind of being able to chill a little bit more, I think London is a little bit better than New York, but nothing compared to anything in Asia or at least not in Southeast Asia. Okay. Have you tapped into the spiritual community there yet? 
Yes, I did. I actually took my first weekend. I took a class with Judy Hall, who's the creator and writer of um, the Crystal Bible, um, and who's been you know traveling the world and been doing this for over thirty years. I took a uh, a course with her on um, assessing past lives with crystals, which I had done on my own. It was a good course, um, mm-hmm. and then I took another course with. And she was it was through the London College of Psychics, mm-hmm. a really boutique looking school. It's been around forever. It's great. And then I took a course the next day on medical intuition mm-hmm. with a woman named Sue Ellen, who's a renowned uh, medical intuitive. And that was great, but I realized quickly, like, I'm not, because I can scan bodies and tell what's going on with the health, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to take it deeper. But she's almost like a surgeon, you know, really have to know all the medical body parts. I think me, I need to go more from the auric perspective where I see color and stuff and the psychic. And at the end of the class, which wasn't cheap, she gave us a book. (laughs) And that was like, and I was like, that's probably the book I just needed instead of this class. Right. um, Yeah, I've already done that. I'm taking another class at the end of the month with Judy for Psychic Protection and Crystals. And then I'm taking a class at uh, Arthur Finlay College, a week-long course on mediumship. Um, awesome. Which I've been looking at that school for over two years. And it's and you stay on campus. It's about two to three hours outside of London. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I've noticed there's not, I don't see, I don't know, it's interesting just looking at the, the psychic communities here. Definitely a lot of women, definitely a lot of older women, definitely a lot of white women. I don't see a lot of color and diversity even though in my classes I did more than even the classes I took back in Asia. So that was interesting to me. <laughs> I love when, um, because I consider myself a spiritual person too. I love when we come across other spiritual people. It's, yes. it's like the shift in the air and you just automatically make a beeline towards each other. It's really cool. It is. And, and everybody else feels the energy too, because like uh, in the summertime, I went to this, I would always go to this huge meetup in Central Park. We'd meet at 11-11, um, take our shoes off, sit in the grass and meditate. There may have been some blowing of uh, uh, smoking of weed. But and, and it was just this huge conge- congregation of I know people were looking down at us, that's calling us hippies, but there was no race barrier. There was nothing. It was just free love. It was everything. And I noticed people were looking in on us like, what is going on down there? But we were also connected to each other. So that's how I kind of feel. When- well, you know, it's funny. I, I, until London, I would have agreed 100% with that because like, when I took my course in Bali, <clears throat> I met some of them. I took a shaman course in Bali. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I met some of the most beautiful souls ever from around the world. And it was so beautiful. And I think that's Bali energy. I think the shamanic course. However, I have noticed with these courses here in London, you still get the psychosis like you would get in New York City. People just having their weird little agendas. Oh, interesting. Really, it's not really there as much. So I think, you know, um, it is about the people that you actually meet. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the place can supersede um, the personalities because I didn't. I, there were a few people I connected with, but there was still a very um, I didn't have the same energy and like peace, love energy that I had in Bali. Interesting. The souls I had met there. Here it was. It's been different. So that's interesting that you say that. So I'm going to continue to study that. I think I think it's about the souls you meet. But I absolutely agree. When you meet, when I do meet people who are more on a spiritual path, I honestly feel better around them in general. Yep. In general, I've noticed that people who are not t- tend to <clears throat> turn me off a lot, mm-hmm. and people who are, I tend to get along with a lot better. Right. It's just less tense. Tense. It's just feelings vibration, in the air. Right. right. Now, I low vibration energy. I just don't. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm over it too. Like, if, it just won't deal anymore. Um, right. Yeah, it's just not worth it. Um, <laughs> what, speaking, so let's talk about your spiritual awakening. Uh, mm-hmm. Where and when did you discover it? And also, like, 
because it's said that you go to go through some kind of crisis right before you awaken spiritually. Did that happen to you? And when and where did it happen? Okay, sure. I want to say mine kind of took part in like um, three, three, three stages mm-hmm. or, or but really probably just like, yeah, or at least the first two parts. So my grandmother died in uh, around Thanksgiving 2010. Mm. And um, hold on, I'm just getting some water here. Hold on. Some hot chocolate. <laughs> 2010. And then my best friend, Anissa, I don't think you ever met her. I don't think you met her. No. She, she sure. died in January of, 20, of 2012. So they died about, you know, less than, uh, you know, 14 months apart. And Anissa had cancer, so I was helping her deal with that for a number of years. And so I remember when my grandmother died, <clears throat> I was in my kitchen in Brooklyn, and all of a sudden, I just ran out to the grocery store and started cooking all these things that she used to like. Now that I really love, my grandmother was big in cooking, she had a restaurant, etc. And I couldn't even control it. It was like I was being propelled, and I remember I was like, okay, Belle, that's her name. Stop. I'm not eating anymore. She loved to eat. She loved to cook. Mm. And I was like, I'm not eating and cooking this stuff anymore. I mean, it was just all of her favorite foods. And I remember at that time feeling possessed, but because it was my grandmother, it was very comfortable. It was comfortable. It was comforting, but I just felt this pull of an, a- another energy and I could tell it was outside of myself. Right. Okay. So that mm-hmm. was, so then you're talking about 2010 to so 2011 happened. I went traveling, came back to New York and lost my friend January, 2012. And as we're going into 2012, the ascension process with the mind calendar. So Nisa died and then she started visiting me. And the thing is, is I've had, I think as many of us have had different psychic experiences or different spiritual experiences, but one, I thought I was making a lot of stuff up. Mm-hmm. And then two, I just didn't think anything of it because my mother loves psychics and we're Jamaican and like, you know, whatever. It's just like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So when Anissa died, she started visiting me. Okay, no problem. I didn't really, I didn't, I don't, I didn't really understand the concept of what it meant to be a medium. Mm-hmm. Um, in my head, I kind of thought this was kind of normal. And when I look back when I was younger, this had happened to me before, but I just didn't really I, I didn't know. It was. Just, I just thought that's what happened. Like I remember hearing footsteps from my grandmother's room to the front of the house as a kid. Mm-hmm. Right, just footsteps, and I'd be like, "Oh, maybe it's my father. My father deceased. I don't know. I just. I ne- but I never would say anything to anyone. I just never said anything. I don't know. So, um, anyway, so Nisa died January 2012, and then it wasn't until when did this start? Oh, about the spring, summer of 2013, I started getting all these random like kind of visitations or, vi- or, or, or visualizations. I saw some woman who looked like she had been in the civil rights era fighting off police. I saw that like in my third eye. Uh, at the time, I had a friend who was pregnant and I was able to sort of communicate with her child and was telling And she was like only a few months pregnant. Right. And I was telling her, oh, the kid wants to be called this and that and the third. And she was like, oh, my God, I had a dream about this or that. Um, and, and so that's like 20 summer, 2013, it was starting to get a little bit nuts. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is good. But then it got worse because then I had a celebrity ghost contact me to try to contact his sister to help her get his kids. And, um, it was like, uh, <laughs> one day I haven't even exposed the story, but I'll say, I'll say here, um, basically with Michael Jackson, I, have, I haven't even, I need to write this story, put it on my own site, but basically Michael Jackson contacted me one day. I like I woke up and he, like it was weird because at first and now that I know everything I was like that's not weird that's what they had to contact you but like his music would just come out of nowhere I remember seeing him on like a billboard I like all these symbols and signs were coming up maybe like a week prior to when they I just kind of woke up and I kind of heard a voice and I was like 
And I felt his presence and I could see it in mm. my third eye. And I said, um, hello. And it was such a different presence from like my grandmother or that woman that I knew this was something bigger than I had experienced. Right. And I was like, holy shit, this is getting crazy now. Excuse my friend. No, it and, so I was, and he's like, hi, I need, I need you. I need you to help me. And I'm like, <clears throat> okay. And he's like, I need you to get in touch with my sister, Janet. And I'm like, okay, listen, listen, I don't know Janet. I mean, you're <laughs> well connected. You know, I know a lot of people in the chain industry. And I was like, but I don't know her. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to give you her email. And so it was this long thing where basically he gave me her email. She never responded. And then he had me reach out to someone that I didn't recognize at the time knew her, but she was at his funeral, a, a, a publicist who worked with um, quite a few celebrities. So the publicist didn't want to get in touch. In the in the middle of all this, I was going crazy. I was like, I was dating this guy who was questioning my sanity. I was questioning my sanity. I actually reached out to... Um, Ruben, um, a director from Jacob's Ladder and from Ghost. Mm-hmm. What's his name? I can't remember his full name. Um, anyway, he was so kind. And I said to him, can you help me? And he was like, no, but I'll get on the phone with you if you want. I'm not a medium. So I was like, forget it. Um, <laughs> and so once I had, you know, did all I could do, and was, this was like a period of a month, I was like, you have to go. Because he was so pressuring my energy space. Like, I get up, he's there. I go to sleep, he's there. People would come to my house, they would just mention and start playing his music. And I was just like, this is overwhelming. But what it did force me to do was to get some actual education, right? Like right. I went and did a six-week training with Beth Lane. Actually, it wasn't right away. It was still four months later. And I was just so shook behind the experience that I was like, okay, this is getting ridiculous, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was the one that confirmed all of my gifts and blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, you should try to do this work. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm leaving for Vietnam in like a week, so... Thank you for letting me know what's up. Here's your X amount of money, several hundred dollars <laughs> training me these past six weeks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And I was good. I was like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. You know, right. like I just felt like I needed to identify who and what I was to make sure that I was not mentally ill. So right. it was that. Um, but I, it wasn't until I was forced because I had no job and I was in Thailand and we're talking about, what was this? Was this 24? No, this was the uh, 2015 August that I ended up doing this for a living. And I had given readings before, but because I was in a foreign country, didn't want to teach English, had no income. And at the same time, some people were already calling me about readings. That's when I turned to this. Right. So that, that was kind of my story. It was definitely a, a, a very physical rude awakening in a way. <laughs> yeah. It was like a trial by fire awakening. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was, it was like, I was, I was definitely forced, you know, right. it was definitely like, um, if, if none of that had happened, I would have been just like, whatever, you know, <laughs> Yeah, totally. I wouldn't have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll have a story you'll appreciate. Mm. So as you know, I went to Paisley Park Mm -hmm. and me being sensitive, I knew that I would experience some kind of phenomenon. So I go in there and um, we're going from room to room hearing his story. First of all, you feel Prince's presence all throughout that house because his remains are there um, Mm. and just... You know, everything about him is there. He loved that place. And they made his urn a mini replica of Paisley Park. So he literally never left Paisley Park. He died there. His remains are there. Paisley Park is that man's life. So we go into this big room where he usually does his concerts and performances. And um, they have two of his dope cars parked in there. It's all black room with the purple floor. Stages everywhere. I'm looking at his cars. I turn to go look at something else. Um... And my heart jumps and I jump back because the air beside me is warm and solid. So as I'm turning, I'm I'm thinking about to bump into someone. So I say, oh, excuse me, but there's no one there. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that cool? Oh, my gosh. Could you see him? Nope. Nope. You couldn't see, but you could feel it. You could feel it. Yep. Wow. Cool, right? 
oh my god <laughs> I don't feel as much like the clear sentience I don't feel as much and I'm really glad that's like almost too fit like I hear voices of course the clear audience the clear voice the seat of the third eye um, I can feel like I'm, my empath comes more to regular people but that would freak me out like you run into a warm solid substance that's not there yep could you smell anything it, it smelled like lavender and um, patchouli all throughout that place. And apparently, I think that was like, he liked that kind of scent. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can see his house still smells like him. It's a really, really beautiful scent. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I think Donnie, Do- Donnie helped that. that Because I didn't feel anything until everyone heard the story about Donnie's passing and how huge she was a Prince fan of his. And we, I told that story right in the atrium where his urn is. And the next thing I know... I feel something warm and solid next to me. So, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Donnie played a, a hand. Been both of them. That's beautiful, though. Yeah. Did you feel, like, better? Did you feel just I sure did. And then, like, the same day, you know, um, when I went to the restaurant, I wanted to sit at the table he used to sit at because that's one of the places, last places he went before he died. He loved to sit um, upstairs at this jazz club and watch the shows on stage. And it was my birthday, and they were like, oh, it's closed. And I said, I closed my eyes. I was like, Prince, help me out here, man. Help me out. And then next thing I know, the lady comes back. She's like, follow me, sweetheart. And then we sit up stage. I, she gives me the um, the seat up top all by myself. And they serve me up there by myself as if I was. Oh, my there. God. So they opened up for you. Yes. Oh, my God. I saw you post about it. But I didn't read the details. Wow, Jake. Oh, that's beautiful. That was Donnie. I know that one. Yeah, that one was Donnie. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Oh, my God. What a beautiful way to celebrate her memory and his memory at the same time. And yeah. And I'm still struggling, but, you know, we love Donnie oh so God. much. I know, And I can't imagine how you're feeling, too. But OK, so before I start crying, let's move on. Um, how has being a psychic and empath um, affected travel, um, affected your travel, if at all? Oh, absolutely. I, I you know, it's so funny because. I, I think in two ways. I think um, because I'm so in tune, you know, I'm like so in tune with my like myself and my higher sense of self, my higher my higher self and the angels and the Orishas and God. Mm. I realize that like I'm I'm able to kind of just blend into places very quickly with very little like um, problems because I I rely on intuition. Like living in Thailand and Vietnam and all these places where the language is hard to even learn, much less read. You really have to just kind of go with the flow and just know that it's going to be okay. And I see people go through all kinds of shenanigans when they travel and not to say I haven't been through a few, but like crazy stuff. And I'm like, I know I'm less than highly favorite. I I just, I see it. I'm like, yo, okay. Honestly, like I just know, you know, and I find that people, I think because of the spiritual energy, especially in Asia, just being very well accepted, you know what I mean? Like people just being kinder, I felt to me, or just being more open. Mm. Um, I think it's funny, encountering spirits in different places is insane. Like Korea, when I when I first got there, I had a bunch of like children in my room, like just. And oh hell like, no! Oh, what the <laughs> hell happened over there? I was like, where are all these children coming from? This is a bit insane. And anywhere there's been a lot of war, oh my god, like London, like anywhere there's been a lot of war, there's problems, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I was in Korea, uh, when I was in Bangkok, I ran into them. But Bangkok has all these things called spirit houses, which I need to buy like one when I move back to the states and then import it. But basically, they they give the spirits a place to live. 
Interesting. Give them a place to live on the property so that they don't come into your home as much, mm. which is great. They don't. I didn't see any of that in Korea. Korea has totally sold itself out to Western and Christian culture. It's ridiculous. Mm. And so when I was there with all these children, I found out that there was this like home. Uh, this like orphanage, not really orphanage, government home that they had all these children that they were slaughtering and, and abusing them and so forth like that. About 40 minutes away from where I live. And I was like, okay, this is why I'm getting all these children. Um, I had someone in there who obviously had some psychosis that was affecting me. So it was just like, that was insane. Like I really had to like learn to like guard myself. And like I had, you know, I had to put all, all the superpowers out. Um, Thailand, I had a few spirits, but they weren't as bad. You know what I mean? They weren't as bad. Um, Bali, a lot of nice spirits. So a lot of nice spirits, but I also saw a lot of, um, I saw a lot of beings in Bali, you know, half, half animal, half man beings. Or, uh, at one point I saw, this is going to sound weird as shit, Santa Claus. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Spiritual reason. Santa Claus? Santa Claus. Yeah. If people don't know, like half this stuff. I even saw white Jesus. I was like, are you real? I don't want to be like, I'm not to be whatever, but like, I don't really. And so, but it was just like, I saw all these different beings, these higher, higher beings, different beings um, in, in Bali. Since I've been in London, it's interesting because I'm now back in a fully English speaking country and I'll do readings in here and I'll have to, I have this thing called Z14, which I splash around. I got from Judy Hall. Z14. Talking. What is right? it? They're talking a lot. So I'll be mm-hmm. on the phone and I'll be doing it. I'm like, does the name Michael mean it? And she's like, no. What about James? And I'm like, okay, there's too many people in this space. Y'all got to stand down. Mm-hmm. This reading isn't about you. And that's even after I've staged and called in the angels and all this stuff. So it's just now, I guess, because I'm in a, lang- in a country where I can understand the language and names are coming in. Ah, However, got it. On the flip side of that, my accuracy with names, especially with matters of the heart, have been through the roof where I'll be like, who's, you know, Stephanie. They're like, Oh my God, that's the girl. That's the person that broke my heart. And it's been like that. So it's, it is different. Even being here, I've had to cross like some kids that were here fighting over a toy. And, you know, I have a few beings that have come in. I've had to cross. It's not as overwhelming. Only in Korea was it ridiculously overwhelming, but it, I've noticed that it's a different form of communication, you know? Um, so yeah, traveling different places definitely is like, uh, as a psychic, it's like, okay, let's see what we're going to deal with here today. Let's see what we're going to... I have... Uh, even yeah. like, I'm nervous about coming back to New York because I don't know how it, it will affect me, to be honest. I am nervous about it being overwhelmed. I have a few questions about that. Uh, first mm-hmm. one is, who, who would, what was the craziest spirit you have ever encountered on your travels? <laughs> and um, second question is, uh, s- say, you know, you're a psychic traveling and you move to a new place or room apartment, whatever, in the, in your new destination. And you immediately notice that there's some funky energy and, um, uh, unsettling beings, uh, unsettled beings in your new place. Like how would you recommend the person clear them? But, um, okay. yeah, so those, that's two questions. So first question, well, I'll answer number two first. Uh, okay. If you can just leave, <laughs> just, you know, like just fucking leave. Like, you know, like if you just, if you can. Also, like you know, if if you do have these gifts, you need to. Sometimes I'll just tell the angels to set me up beautifully. Whatever it is, I know you guys got me. So, like even my clients, send me the best clients for me. So send them out first to make sure that you don't get in those situations. If not, if you feel that energy, then go ahead and call upon like Archangel Michael for his guiding light, purple light of protection. I always like, hear Archangel people Ariel, to to call him, closely, mm-hmm. staging it. 
I like the Z14 Petal Tone Essences, which is great. What is that? Z14. And it's just it's just a, a, a liquid essence. Uh, it's called Petal Tone is the company. And you kind of just throw that, throw the, you know, splash it out around the place and just call it Archangel Micro Protection Light. Um, black tourmaline is excellent for sleeping with, like sleeping and putting it in your pillow beside your bed. Um, and, you know, any prayers that you have, prayers of light, hey, come in and protect me. Mm-hmm. If you know how to cross and send them to the light, cross them out, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but first, my first choice would be not to stay there, you know. And then also, you know, just know sometimes there, like I had a spirit in my house in one of my apartments in Thailand. She sat on my couch for months and I just let her sit there because I was like, yo, I can't be crossing people every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I like you sit there. I sat there. I'm like, this is my house. You want to stay, you stay. And when you're ready to leave, you leave, you know. And so sometimes <laughs> I just, as long as I don't feel like I'm about to be hurt, mm-hmm. um, then a lot of times I'll just kind of. You know, whatever. I think I had two two spiritual experiences abroad um, that were kind of crazy. So one was this: I didn't know at the time that I was a medium. I thought I was making it up. So many times I look back and I said, "My God, oh my God!" I've been doing this for years. I didn't realize it. So I did this something I would never do now. I stayed at a hospital for children who were dying, basically a hospice for children in the outer skirts of Rome. This is in 2011, summer of 2011. Mm. And it had been turned into a hostel. Yeah, you're asking for trouble then. Well, that was just, that's clearly, I had no clue who and what I was. And I remember when I was coming up to the hospital, but it didn't look like that. It was just like a big building. But I remember walking in through the parking lot and I remember feeling the energies. It just felt weird. It just felt like it was stuck and stale. Now I would, first of all, I would never book that place, but now it's just like, and I was so sick during that whole trip. So anyway, got in there and, um, you know, got in my room. It was like six of us in a bed. Not only did I get horrendously sick with this weird chest cold that I had been fighting on my whole trip, mm. but like I had this thing called limoncello, which um, is a very big, like, uh, I guess, aperitif, Italian aperitif. I had that and I just got a bad chest cold to the point where I was sitting up at night. I couldn't even lay down. But when I was there, I remember walking through these the hallways and I would see this little, little pale looking, dark haired little girl. She maybe was six or seven, had on a night, a white nightgown, like, look like the 80 style nightgown with the ruffled arms and the ruffled at the bottom. And she was just like, I would walk and she would, she was zigzag behind me. And I was like, huh, okay, I'm just making that up. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> just like, yo, all right, whatever. I'm a writer. I don't know. Now I, you know, and so she was zigzagging behind me. So I didn't think anything of it. Like I said, I got sick. I cut my trip short, came back to London, and then I I went back to New York. Never thought about this kid again. Mm -hmm. Got to Vietnam, fall of 2014, started having all these crazy chest pains, part pollution, congestion. I was drinking a lot of coffee. And I was like, oh, my God, I think I'm going to die in Vietnam by myself here because I cannot breathe. I don't know what to do. And I was sitting there in, in my bed, and I put some tiger balm on my chest. All of a sudden, this little girl came into my vision. And by this time, I've had the training. I'm aware I'm a medium. And I'm like, oh, my God, you followed me. You followed me. And then I realized that she was kind of somehow sitting on my she had been somehow her spirit had merged with mine, you know, like as an impact, they do they do glom onto you. And so um, part of the issue that I was feeling, because I do have issues with asthma and stuff like that, was that I think she died of a lung disease, this little girl. Mm. Right. 
Because at that moment, that could have been the Tiger Bomb, but I don't think it, I think it was the only the Tiger Bomb. In that moment, I said, oh my God, I saw it. Like I said, oh shoot, you died of a lung disease and you're still with me. I said, why haven't you crossed? And she was like, I'm scared. She was six. You know, she's six. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. So I like kind of metaphysically gave her a hug and a kiss and I just guided her to the light. Just guided her to the light. And she did cross. And I swear to God, as soon as that little girl crossed over, my chest opened up. Wow. I, I, like I'm laying in the bed and I see her come into my room. And I'm like, wait a minute, who, what? So that was crazy. That was something, this isn't something else I haven't talked about yet on my site yet. I got to talk about it, but that was insane. That was probably, um, one of the craziest experiences. And, I, and also I had a, a, like I said, a woman, I think had either, either the girl that was there before me in my apartment in Korea was really miserable. Or there was a woman in there who was psychotic and it was affecting me. I was not happy either, but I remember being on my cycle and just feeling overwhelmed, sensitive, feeling like, oh, I just want to escape. I want to release. I don't want to be here anymore. Just feeling very just on the edge. And then I sat up and I said, wait a minute. And I was just crying uncontrollably. And I said, wait a minute, this isn't me. See, as an empath, we always have to check in with ourselves. We have to always go, is this me? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Who's, who's here? Even when no one's in the room, someone's there. Someone's energy. That's the problem with the spirit world of being an empath is that you can pick up their fucking energy and not know it. That's the scariest part. When someone is standing in front of you, you know them, they're human, that's fine. So I, you know, so then I just kind of sent my energy out and then I saw her kind of quivering in a corner of my room and I said, oh, it's you. I don't know what your problem is, but you got to go. And so then I, I basically, you know, crossed her and also used some shamanic tools to get rid of energetic energy that was sort of, I felt, this is weird, but Blair with me, implanting into my energy being and mm-hmm. into my brain. Like I had, you know, and so it was kind of weird, but I had to get rid of her. So that was a very scary first time experience because it was someone who had clearly had issues Um, in Korea. They just I don't think they've done any cleansing of the land, at least not where I was living in that building. It was very, you know, just sad. Um, So, yeah, those were kind of the the two ones that because it affected me so deeply physically. Normally, when these spirits come, it doesn't really affect me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, But when they do, it can be really uh it can be really dangerous and scary. Right. And speaking of metaphysical tools and um, uh, so, uh, yeah, speaking of metaphysical tools, I know that you travel with safeguards. Um, safeguards, meaning like, like crystals? Right. Um, and I know you have sage. <laughs> um, so what are your go-to tools and where do you like to buy them? Okay, that's a really good point. So I love collecting crystals from different places that I live that I've lived. Mm-hmm. So I have crystals from Bali, I have crystals from Thailand. I don't have anything from Korea. Um, I have crystals from New York. I'm gonna buy some crystals while I'm here in London. So I, I personally love to like buy them in person because I can feel the energy. Right, them makes up. sense. Um, but I carry all different types of crystals. The crystals that I always kind of keep with me, I keep some iron pyrite, which is good for money, like my wallet. Mm-hmm. I constantly wear. I wear amethyst. I wear some sort of black stone, so onyx, obsidian, or tourmaline. Um, sometimes I wear rose quartz, depending on my mood. Turquoise is one of my go-to's. And what was the other one? Um, yeah, those are kind of my main, my my main ones. Um, I carry my stones. I carry sage. Now I've got the Z14, which is great, which I use. I think I might um, try that. That's kind of what I do. I mean, and I'm always kind of communicating with the angels and the orishas and, you know, kind of um, just being aware, too. You know, when I'm walking into a space, I'm meeting new people. Um, I met a character who was totally like, you know, 
for Warlock and he had his own agenda. And I was like, okay, I got to walk away from this. So just being hyper aware of people and their agendas and their intentions. And then just, you know, you know, understanding what your strengths are and when it's not working for you moving on. So, right. but I don't carry too much because I'm always traveling. Right. But that's what I carry mostly. And that tourmaline. I mean, I got a big chunk of tourmaline sitting up beside my bed right now. So. What do you feel about carnelian? I don't know that much of the red carnelian. The yeah. it uh, the the orange much. one, it's like a firestone. Oh, I don't know that much about it. What is it supposed to be good for? It's good for protection. Like I I use it when I meditate so that I'm not attacked by all kinds of different energy. Because you know when you meditate, you're attracting things to your light, and next thing you know, you're not protecting yourself when you meditate. You go out and you meet all kinds of wackos. Um, so it's just it's a good good protection stone. Um, and fire is my if element. You find so that it works for you because we're gonna all attune to different stones. Mm-hmm. Then, then definitely go for it. Like I just like I just find black tourmaline to be a really good stone for me. Now I will also say I ground and protect. I forgot to mention that I ground it. And now since Trump has gotten office, I pretty much ground and protect like twice a day because when he was coming in office, I was picking up everyone's crazy energy and I was starting to like break out in a rash. You know, like I was mm-hmm. getting very itchy in the body. Um, so grounding and protecting, shielding, um, and also closing. I, I constantly rinse and cleanse my chakras. Like I imagine a white light, right. a white light shower coming from my crown chakra and flooding my body. Then I'll do that with, you know, all the colors of the chakras. And then I cloak myself and then I close the doors on my chakras. Like when I know I'm heading out or something like that. So that helps a lot too. That's the, that's probably what I'll do before I even do any of the rest of it. And then the rest of it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. What are your top five travel tips for the traveling empath or psychic? Mm. Know yourself, you know, know yourself. I mm. think it's important to know your moods and your personality and to always question when you're dealing with something or someone and you feel a shift in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, be a little bit aware of where you're going. I think I now that I'm aware, like, I, I won't necessarily maybe go to a war-torn country. I definitely wouldn't stay in a hospital that used to be a hospital. So I think... Because we're psychic and empath and being empath, you're highly psychic. You do have to protect yourself. People might say you're being a little bit paranoid or weird, but who cares, right? Like, right. you can't. I don't. I don't think it's smart to just go and do everything that everyone else does. Like, um, someone told me something, and I was like, oh, I'll never be going there. It was something they did, uh, some cemetery or something. Oh God! Uh, so that's two. Just being aware, just being mindful of where you're going, states, countries, cities. Being aware if there's any war, recent war deaths, because <clears throat> it may affect you. Um, three, really trusting your intuition, you know, and understanding that's going to be strongest. So don't panic when you get lost, lean into that intuition, learn to live on it. Mm -hmm. Um, four, go to spiritual destinations. Like I definitely want to go to India one day, like go to these places, like go to like the earth chakras, like go visit them, sit, meditate, um, uh, what is an earth indulge and I mean, this part four is like indulging this not only the spiritual physical places but those spiritual communities it is so dope to meet so many souls that you've probably have agreed to meet anyway before you got here mm-hmm. to meet them in different realms and then i think five try to do some past life recall if you can or go to like a past life uh, uh specialist and ask them is there any places that you've been in a past life that you live and if any of them sparks your interest definitely go because there's probably going to be some good closure there. I had a lot of good closure in Korea with two different people that I needed to kind of close from past lives. So, awesome. um, but yeah, yeah. So if you have places that, yeah, those are my five tips. When you say earth chakra, how do you define that? Like what's an earth chakra? They're actually, the earth itself has chakras. So mm-hmm. you can actually Google it up where the seven main chakras of the earth. And then they're like minor chakras all around the world. 
I think Bali sits on one. I know that Mount, I think Mount Shasta mm-hmm. in California is one, but they have them. They're actual places where I think uh, Sedona, Arizona uh, must be one. I, I know it there's must something be. in Arizona. I don't know if it's a full on earth chakra, but there's something there. Yeah, mm-hmm. but definitely like I would love to take out a year or maybe six months and just visit different earth chakras uh, around the world. I think that'd be a cool trip. I'm not looking to, to that. I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to look into that. Do you let your intuition guide you to your destinations? Half the time. Yeah. So like London, you know, I, the opportunity fell in my lap. Uh, I was actually doing a reading for a client who's also an associate. And I had stayed here before just like over a weekend when I came to surprise a friend. And and I said, I said, you know what? This I felt intuitively that this dropped in my lap. You know, just it just was meant to be. Mm-hmm. So then I followed it on intuition. I mean, I lost money on my New York ticket and said, I'm going to do this. So, yeah, it definitely does drive. Like when I went to Paris two years ago, I just felt that I had some life closure I needed to have there. And I did recall a lot of past life memories there that weren't very happy past lives. But it was important for me to get that closure. Now I feel like I never need to get to Paris again. If I go, <laughs> I go. But I don't ever feel like I have to go again, you know. And right. so, yeah. Mm-hmm. It definitely drives it, but not, you know, I would say it's a 50, 50, you know, it's also practical, right? Where do I need to go or where do I want to go? And then 50% spiritual. So, but what, what drove you to London? You said you, it was a friend or you're an ex- like a, yeah, so basically, so here's what happened. So I was in Thailand. I was over it. I've been over it. No dating life because it's just, it's, <laughs> everybody comes there for Thai girls or Thai boys. I'm just being straight up. And really? So Western woman I know, or any woman that is a Thai basically doesn't date while she's there. It's just very difficult. And I was like, I also realized that I had kind of hit a point in my spiritual path that I was kind of finished with, right? Mm -hmm. Like the things that were really good for me in time were now starting to turn on. So like the slower pace of life and like, I just, I just saw it was like, okay, I'm, I'm done here. Energetically, this is, this part of my life is over. And I was about to have to deal with another visa issue. Where I had to get a new visa. And I was like, I don't feel like it. I had just went through some nonsense in Malaysia, you know, three months prior. Right. And so I was, I was like, you know what? I got I'm just going to go back to New York for a bit. Let me just regroup. Um, and, and, but I didn't want to go. I didn't have anywhere to really live. You know, you saw me, I was like, Oh, I'm going to try to see where I'm going to live. Right. But I didn't want to stay permanently, but I just wanted to come home and regroup. And then, so my friend, like I said, she's an associate, but also someone I did a reading for. And she's like, oh, my apartment in London is available. My, my tenant pulled out at the last minute and I don't know what to do. I, I think I have to give it up, but I don't want to because it's really affordable and blah, blah, blah. But she couldn't afford to hold down her rent in New York and, and London. So I was like, yo, that's not, this might be an opportunity I need to maybe do. And she's like, well, I need wow. to 12 hours because my sisters are coming at 10 a.m. to move my furniture out. Wow, that was meant to be. Yeah, and I was just like, I was like, do you have internet? She's like, yeah, everything is set up. She was like, but they were just like, and I was like, and it's like basically like the equipment is under 900, right? In a, mm-hmm. in a nice neighborhood, whatever. And so it was just like, okay. So then, you know, 12 hours later, I thought about it and I said, you know what? This doesn't, I wanted to study in this part of the world. I already know I'm not a London girl. Like I'm clear on that. I don't, I don't, you know, I know this is like kind of temporary for me. But I think this is an important step that I should just take. And besides, I'll get a whole apartment to myself and I don't have to worry about whatever. So I did it. So that's what kind of drove this this choice. And even though it was cold, which I, I am actually glad for cooler weather. Right. And that's kind of where it is. I mean, this year is kind of interesting because I really don't know where I'm going to end up. It's very like, <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. I'm kind of just floating. So Are you acclimating to your, your neighborhood at least? You know what? Like, I, like I said, yes and no. I mean, like, I'm kind of, I'm definitely a big city girl. Like, I've noticed that about myself. I'm a city girl, so if it's a big city, I know how to get lost and I know how to chill out. I think 
I've just seen a like it's weird because it's like it's a it's not the it's a neighborhood that's gentrifying, right? So mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of old school Brooklyn in a way. Um, definitely reminds me of old school Brooklyn in many many ways. So it's an easy neighborhood. Like we're right by Goldsmith College, which is where Steve McQueen graduated. So it's just like it's nothing to it. Like the train is right there, the bus is right there, the Jamaican spots right there. Actually, I like it. I really do like it. But I do realize because it. It probably was a poor neighborhood. At one point, you've got like this lady I saw in the grocery store, a white lady, did a very racist tirade against this black woman. Was mm. a drunk, and then she went into like this place. I didn't realize what it was. It's actually like a betting place. Mm. So it's it's interesting to me when I start to re- recognize like neighborhoods, western neighborhoods that are a little bit more poor, even though they may be gentrifying or still have beautiful like aspects of community. So it's just that weirdness. And I think when you're not, it's not my culture, number one. So it's also like this, like, oh, wait, what? Mm. You know, it's a little bit, throw, it throws me off a little bit, but it's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm literally like a 30 minute ride from like Big Ben. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, it's actually great. I really, I really love it. I, I would like to be able to hold on to this apartment for a while and, you know, and just kind of have it partially as a base, I think. I don't know. We'll see. California is also calling me though. I want to live by the beach. I want to live in a beach city. So that we'll earth, see. that earth tra- chakra might be calling you. I think so. I realize now. It's so funny. I used to make fun of all, all things California, but I'm like, hmm, okay. Now that I've changed a lot, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe that's the place I need to be actually. So, <laughs> so we only have a few more questions. Okay. Uh, what is a typical day like for a traveling psychic? Um. Well. Okay, my typical day. <laughs> so my typical day, uh, like now in London, my hours have shifted. So like before in Thailand, I would get up, grab something, not the most healthy thing from like the 7-Eleven or eat some local food. Mm-hmm. And I would start my calls around 7 a.m. my local time. Uh, most of my clients come out of the East Coast, so it would be after work for them. And I'd work from about 7 a.m. to 1. Okay. And then I would kind of just have the rest of the day. Normally I'm too tired, so I just end up laying around because I'm just exhausted. Right. Or I go out and do something or whatever. Now that I'm in London, it's interesting because my day kind of starts. Like I have overnight hours now and I'm working later in the day, let's say two o'clock, three o'clock, one o'clock. So now I kind of have the relief where my mornings are myself, which I really enjoy, are mine. So like I'll get up and like do some work on my website or I'll just sleep in and just chill out. Uh, I've only been here a month as of today, so I haven't really gotten to a, a schedule just yet. Um, but that's it. I mean, I spent about three to five hours maybe on the phone, mostly three hours, four hours. And then the rest of the day is kind of spent to myself. Sometimes I'm reading, studying. Here I'll probably be going to more art events, you know, and kind of just exploring the city. Yeah, I'll be doing a lot of that mostly. That sounds like an awesome life. <laughs> I'm so serious. And you're so nonchalant about it, but everyone listening will probably be like, (sighs) (laughs) you know, honestly, you have to take leaps of faith. I'm not making a lot of money. Uh, December was a great month. You know, I had the SS article, people, you know, kind of my clients promoting me. Um, So I'm still very much in startup game. I'm very, but I feel very blessed. I've tripled my, my rent in Thailand was 300. My rent here is basically 900. And I've been able to make my rent this month. You know, so I just feel very blessed that I, I'm able to like move from one of the cheapest places on earth to one of the most expensive and still keep my head going, still keep my head above water. So I feel very blessed, but I definitely have walked out on faith. Like I told the angels in October, I was like, I got to do this full time. You guys have got to make this amazing because I, I, you know, I, I, I was basically making like a thousand dollars a month for like a year, you know, mm. but I also wasn't going hard in the paint promoting myself. So. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Well, that is something to definitely be grateful for. 
Um, and before we move on to the next question, in the last uh, podcast I did, the woman I interviewed who lives in London, she mentioned some cool uh, event where they play, where live musicians play in like um, containers, packing, you know, those <gasps> huge. Yeah. So um, I'll e- I'll find out the exact Please name. Please email me that. that yeah. Amazing. I'm gonna yeah. There, there's a lot that of cool things. There's, yeah. there's a lot of cool things you mentioned that you might um, be interested in. Um, okay, so what is your advice for your fellow imported chocolate who is an empath or psychic who wants to travel but is, you know, on the fence and fearful and coming up with all these excuses? Like, what is your advice to them to get out there into the I, world? I think- do it, especially if you already have clients, you know, that you can work with remotely. So you're already bringing in, in, in you know, money. Um, but it's nothing like it. And the thing is, is like, you know, especially when you're just, a, you know, you're a single person, you have no dependents. There's so many ways to like live around the world and even have free rent. You know, you can volunteer, you can do um, a, a, a spiritual retreat in India where you're just, you know, you're studying for yourself. Like you don't even have to pay money. You just basically, you know, the, what do they call those places where you go be quiet for months at a time or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, there's places to, where you go, you're quiet yeah, for a month. Called, um, I forgot what they're called, but you know, basically what she did at Eat, Pray, Love, she wasn't paying a whole lot of money to stay there. Mm. It's called, oh, I forgot what they're called, but basically there's retreats. You go, you be, you have to be quiet and it's pretty much free or like damn near free. It's like $10 a month a, a day or $3. It's really cheap in India. Hmm. Uh, when I find, remember the name of them, but it's, it's just worth it to grab it and go. I mean, you're not, you're, you have to seize the day. Right. I think when I've learned to live like by faith and just take that leap of faith, I've been rewarded every time. But when I went out on fear, like Korea, I was not (laughs) miserable after situation, you know, popping Tylenol every day because I was exhausted and gained a whole 20. Damn. Tylenol. And that's the thing with impasse. We have to make sure that we don't go into stressful situations because they affect us worse than the next person. It's true. Yeah. Quickly. You know, when I got out to Bangkok in October, late September, I said, okay, I've got to make this work. I had an opportunity to teach online. And I was like, no, I'm going to trust that I'm going to make this money and that things are going to be amazing. And for the first two months, it was like, eh. And then when I got back from Malaysia and had all that nonsense going on at the border, I said, okay, Angels December has to be amazing financially for me because if you guys want me to do this work, then I need you to make it work for me. Right. And that's it. And so even like London, like for all intents and purposes, I probably should have just fell off my ass. But I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose this money on this ticket, but I'm just going to look forward and I'm not going to worry about it. And so you, you have to do it, especially if you don't have like anyone that's listening to this and you don't have children. Please, what are you doing? <laughs> I see people with children like, child, I feel blessed not to have none. I'm sorry, I don't think I'm wrong saying that. I don't give a shit. Like, you free, you free. You free, you free, you free, you free, so free. You don't even know how free you are. You can, There's a website called um, People Can Check Out. Dang it. It's a volunteer website. Basically, you, um, you basically work for free and you stay there. And you can it, basically they host you. And that's around the world. Wow. And it doesn't have to be farms. And so there's like Wolf, W-O-O-F. That I, yeah, that I know. Well, this other website, which um, I forgot the name of it, but I, I, I know it. Um, basically, you, you volunteer. You volunteer. You could be working at a hostel at the front desk and just sleeping for free. And, you know, you'd be amazed how many times you can just make money on the road, especially if you're a reader of getting to the gifts or you can bartend or whatever. People mm. will work with you. And then also teaching English online. There's um, VIP Kids. Mm-hmm. Which one of these famous basketball players just invested in? What's his name from the Lakers or whatever? He's retired now. 
um, they basically pay up to like $20 an hour and you can teach from anywhere. And it's basically based out of China and they're huge and they're growing and it's in demand. And you teach online? You teach online. That's huge right now. Mm. Well, the online is replacing everything. Yeah. And you can make great money. I have friends making, look, I know one girl, she's a top leader and she's making over three grand a month, but she works like crazy. But even if you just want to make enough where you say, okay, I, I make a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars a month is more than enough money in most places outside of the West. Especially if you're looking at Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe, Africa. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's called, online, it's really easy. What is it called again? It's called VIP Kid. Oh, VIP Kid. VIP Kid.com. What's his name? I can't think of him. I want to think of the name of his wife. I'm sure people will be scrambling to Google after oh, they yeah, hear that. They do, especially if you come from an English-speaking country. And, and I know most of your listeners have degrees. Child, wait. There's so many ways to make money online. I tell people with U.S. passports. I'm like, I don't know why you're sitting here in the dust. Like, yeah, that old ass passport. At least now, I don't know what the hell is going to happen after four years. But you, you can be out. There's no need to sit there. There's just please, please don't. And when I left America, I had two hundred seventy nine dollars in my 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 hands. That's all I had. I had two hundred seventy. I had a I had a three thousand dollar check coming in about a week or two. Or no, when I once I got. Wait, how much did you have when you left? A lot of money. I wasn't making a whole lot of money. How much did you leave? And I didn't have a whole lot of money. I had no money saved up. Wait, you left on $3,000 and you had no money saved up, you said? I left with $279 in my bank account. Seriously? I had a $3,000 check coming from the remote gig I was working with paying me. Wow. You really did leap out on faith. Oh, yeah. Even this time when I went to London, I had just enough to pay her the month's rent, month's security, and get a ticket. That's it. Wow. I was like, okay. You know, you just have to know, and I don't know, for some reason I've been in this sort of state where my money just kind of get enough money to do the next thing and then that's it. And that's just, I don't know, that's just the cycle that I'm in right now and it's okay. Because um, I know that's just where I'm supposed to be. And so that's the thing too, you have to trust that once you've made certain moves, even though everything may not be as glamorous as you're used to, or you may not have, or the abundance may not be the way that you would like, but you are still abundant because you're still moving and you're still going. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it? I wish I remember the name of that volunteer. Say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find it and send it to you. But okay. it's great, and you just pay like thirty dollars for the year, or is it, un, or is it forever? I forgot the name of the membership. Yeah, but you could there's in, in ashrams, ashrams. That's what they're called in India. A S. Oh, okay, I know that. I just didn't know. India is so spiritual and amazing, and you can just go to those. You pay very cheap, if anything at all. Sometimes you just have to work the ashram, like you have to clean it and whatever. You know, do that and make it free for like a couple of months. Do that. Bali is cheap. And I mean, when I say cheap, I mean, you can get apartments. I had a nice studio apartment that was under 300 bucks a month. Wow. If you're making 20 something an hour on VIP kit and you're only working, you know, 15 hours a week, mm. you made your rent in one, you know, pretty well, you made your, you made your rent in two weeks, you know, and it gets even cheaper, especially if you don't mind, you know, if you don't need a whole lot of accommodations, Chiang Mai, the northern part of Thailand. Right. It's great. It's really cheap, you know. The technology is great. It's a lot of there's a lot of digital nomads up there. A lot of good information here. A lot of good information. Yeah. I mean, I can tell people how to move around the world, shake and bake without a whole lot. That's for real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what are your tips uh, for keeping your vibration high? Well, stay away from negative assholes. Stay away from fuck boys. I'm sorry, I'm cursing, but this is the truth, especially for women. Stay or your, away from the fuck boys. Please. Or your favorite term, I'm frowning pranks. A certain way, which I'm horrible. I, my eating is complete trash. It's amazing that I can even reach my gifts the way I eat. I really got to get it together. But for years, I ate really healthy, so maybe that helps me out. Um, keeping yourself happy, like 
you know, for me, sometimes I'll get it. Like, moving to new places is always a little sad at first. On one hand, it's exhilarating because it's all new. But on one hand, it's sad because you've just left people that you've made relationships with. And now you got to meet new people, which means new personalities, whether you get along or not. And sometimes, like right now, I don't really feel like meeting a lot of new people. I'm just tired. I'm like, okay, I don't feel like it. And so, like, there's been times when I've just forced myself to go out. It's like, go out, walk the street, or, like, go to a museum. Like, just go out. And then once I'm there, I'm like, oh, I'm so happy I did this. So it's, it's key to just keep your vibration high, play music. And then if you're someone that needs things from home, bring it. So, like, if you need photos of your family, bring it. You know, yeah. it's just on your phone. If if it's a familiar stuffed animal, bring it, you know, bring those things, those little things that make you happy and make you feel at home, no matter where you are. Like I have a friend, she's a social worker or whatever and school guidance counselor. And she brings her dog. It costs her money. Wow. She's lived in different parts of the world. She always brings her dog because that's her dog is someone she can come home to. Right. Who's familiar. It's immediately her friend. As soon as she walks in the door, the other thing is to make friends before you go. The beauty of Facebook is that there's so many travel groups Yo, everywhere you go, somebody's already there. You can literally walk into a new country with at least 10 dinner dates or lunch dates. And I don't mean Tinder. <laughs> People who live there who wanted to meet you or whatever, show you their city. Right. So there's there's so many ways to just keep. And then have your own agenda. Like for me, I knew, okay, I'm going to study. So the first weekend I got here, I was taking classes back to back. Boom, I'm taking this class. So I have my agenda. My agenda is being met. So if you know, okay, I'm going to Paris because I want to see every beautiful fashion house in the world. Work on your agenda or, you know, or like this month, I want to start a different division of my business. Okay, this month while I'm here, I want to start this. Or if I go to Thailand and I want to make, you know, relationships with importers of crystals. So having an agenda when you travel, whether it's business or just pleasure, Mm -hmm. makes such a difference. Because even when things may, you know, you may not be making a lot of friends or you don't have a whole lot of money. If you've if you've done some of the things you've come for you feel much better. And you you walk away going, yeah, yeah, I did that. I still, you know, I learned how to meditate really deeply for three months in India. That was great. So I think that makes a difference. Oh, that Your is true. Your going to have a lot to edit, poor thing. No, no, it's fine. It's just fine. She'll be fine. Okay, so last question. If you can travel with someone alive or dead and have a hot cup of chocolate with them, who would it be and where would you go? Mm. It's a great question. Who would it be and where would I go? Alive? This is so weird because I'm such a business person, but I'm also a psychic. So it's like. You can literally like, still travel with someone alive or dead. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, to get all of her, her wisdom. But then the other part of it is like, what's a spiritual guru that I would want to check out and go with? Can I have two people or I can only have one person? Okay. I, you can have two people. Okay. So I would love to go with, um, um, freak, I can't think of her name right now. Long Island Media, Teresa Caputo. Teresa I, I, Caputo. I just love her. Like, actually, she helped me accept my gifts. Like, I didn't know about her. I just found her one day on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I watched, I binge watched her show. And I was like, I just started crying. I was like, oh, my God. Wait a minute. She's, she has so a show on Netflix still? Work. Huh? She has a show on Netflix still? Um, I don't know if Netflix still carries the show, but she, no, she had her show. She has her show Long Island Media. But she's just a mom. I mean, she's like everyone's aunt or sister, you know, big haired woman. I have to check that out, etc. So I would love to go with Teresa Caputo, okay, and maybe go somewhere like not super spiritual, but for some reason, like uh, maybe go visit like Mount Shasta in California and do like some meditations with her and just 
talk about her life and being a medium and how she's been able to bridge that world of being a medium and being in a team and still having the family and how does she balance all of that oh my gosh that sounds so nice i can see you guys sitting on top of this mountain or rock having a a cup of you know hot chocolate or iced tea if it's too hot and just talking after meditation i can totally see that and talking about these things mm-hmm. the other person i would love to do i would love to do like an ashram week like a week of meditation and uh contemplation and walking around i'm gonna go ahead and say oprah i don't know oprah or richard branson one of the two and just talk about business and visualizing your life and mm. manifesting your life on your own terms and nice. how they do that and how they keep going and keep encouraged and keep being innovative despite it all so yeah Nice. Well, that concludes our hot co- um, hot chocolate session. Um, this was I enjoyed my cup. Yeah, me too. I had my cup right here, sipping on it between breaks. <laughs> I really enjoyed this conversation. There's a lot to work with here. A lot of value here from my audiences, especially the more spiritually inclined. Um, so, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Jen Pong. I love you. Happy belated birthday, yeah? Thank you. Hot Chocolate with Locals is now available for streaming on all smartphones through iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. For travel photos and a travel playlist created by today's guest especially for you, head on over to imported-chocolate.com slash show extras. Follow me on the gram at Jen Poe Author, and I'll see you next month when we head to our next destination. Bye.